Hovering over the skies of a post-Christian society, we have spotted a man with a donut in one hand oh. and rosary beads in another. Child, I'm about to whoop Satan's behind. He is boldly proclaiming truth and reason like no rigid Catholic ever has before. The David L. Gray Show begins now. Jesus loves you and is there for you. Welcome in to David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network, which is ready for your soul. And we begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Tell my Jesus, forgive us of our sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls to heaven, especially those most in need of thy mercy. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Dominic Guzman, pray for us. Venerable, um... Fulton J. Sheen, pray for us. Venerable Father Gus Tolton, pray for us. What are we talking about today? Well, it's been a week since Ash Wednesday. How's your season of Lent going? I have some help and some words of encouragement coming your way. The reason for the season, there's three reasons why self-denial is the stuff of saints. Want to be a saint? Practice self-denial. And Lent is a great season to begin that journey. And then at about the 15-minute mark, Christopher Major, who is in his final stages of diaconate formation in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, he's on. He's also the coordinator for the African-American ministry there in that diocese. He'll be on to talk about why ethnic ministries and the work he's doing around the world to make the world a better place through the game of chess. He'll be on to talk about that. So that's fascinating. Cecil Anderson, my producer here, she's been very busy today. Um, but how's Lent going, Cecil? It's it's going all right. I, uh, I so far I've been able to hold for the most part. I think uh, my <laughs> Lenten <laughs> goals, I guess you could say. Okay, actually, you know what? I take that back. I have been struggling a little bit with um, making my prayer time be the most prioritized part of the day, which was a big portion mm. of why I gave up what I did and um, right. which would, and so I, I've been still praying every day, but it hasn't, it's sometimes been a bit rushed at times and I haven't been doing the full 30 minutes that I've been wanting to do. Um, so it's going all right. I do find, I don't know if you find this David, but when you give up something for Lent that maybe consumes your time, you just find something else mindless to consume your time with <laughs> and i'm yeah. really really ha- having a hard time with this one right now and i'm yeah. i'm just been it's been something i've been offering up and i i just find myself like oh i can't use that app well i'll use this app and i'm like oh, that kind of defeats the point the swap I should, out i'm like i should just throw my phone out the window <laughs> yeah yeah so the, the old lint swap out is, yes. is yeah, that, that's, that's kind of counterproductive yeah that's so funny it is it is you, you think you're like oh see if i just get rid of this one thing in my life i'll be so much more productive i'll have such a spiritual lent and then you're like oh i forgot there's like 50 other apps that can do the same thing <laughs> so um oh, if anyone is out there can feel me on that <laughs> I, it's a work in progress <laughs> that's funny i um so one of the things I gave up for Lent was complaining. Oh. My my um my mistake was telling my wife and my daughter uh. that I'd given up complaining for Lent. So every time they hear accountability me Accountability partners. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> These accountability partners I didn't ask for. So <laughs> 
So that's hysterical. That's, yeah, that's, that's a, a hard. I find that. those kind of ones hard. The ones where you're like giving up a attitude, or you're giving up like mm-hmm. sarcasm. You know, I've had people say like give up sarcasm or something like what? that. What's wrong with sarcasm? <laughs> I well, I guess if they use it every second of the day or something. Anyhow, oh, okay, uh, okay. But I, those I always find the hardest to actually keep up with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those attitude adjusters. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. What's going on at this station? I know you you guys are ramping up for. Um, I guess we're going to have a shareathon. Yes, we are. And later, later on this month. Yes. Yeah, so uh, two weeks from now, starting on Tuesday, March twenty second, uh, we will be starting our spring shareathon. It's the first shareathon of twenty twenty two, so that's always exciting. And the theme is made for mission. Uh, so kind of based off of a talk that Father John Ricardo gave. So going to have some great giveaways during that. So make sure you call in at 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. All that uh, week from Tuesday to Friday. Uh, so we're very excited about that. Mm-hmm. And back to the Father this week, anything going? You know, I was last week I was listening to, I, got, I came in a little bit late. But you guys kind of like blew my, well, first of all, I tuned in and you're wearing this crown and there's like a guest <laughs> on the show you're wearing is like this crown and you guys are talking about, it sounded like teaology yes, at first. And so teleology. Yeah. So you were, he's looking English and he's drinking tea. It was, it was just like kind of made me chuckle a little it, bit. It, it does look, we had these <laughs> tiny little baby crowns on because it was Dave's birthday. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So I bought uh, really cheesy birthday crowns for everyone to wear. <laughs> yeah it was great so this week on back to the father we're going to be talking about if we can prove through reason alone that heaven exists Ooh, that's good and what saint thomas has to say about that i think in the past we've talked about like can we prove that god exists just by by visually and like without reason um from saint thomas aquinas and this time we're going to go with through reason alone that heaven exists so i'm really curious to know because uh, I'm in the dark just as much as the average person <laughs> until we start the show, how exactly we're going to be discussing that. But I think it's going to be exciting. Yeah, yeah. Last last week's show was really interesting. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty deep, honestly. It was <laughs> like, you know, usually I, I, I try to be well-read and just kind of know a lot of things, kind of like refresh myself on, you know, getting, you know, from grad school when I get, you know, my master's in theology. But, um, yeah, last week was kind of like, wow, there's a lot of stuff here, like, that's like blowing my mind. Welcome so it's, to it's my good. life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my mind is always being blown. <laughs> yeah. Good good job, guys. Um, so what else going on? Anything? Oh, let's see. I'm trying to think if there's anything really exciting in my life besides continuing to train for a 10K and regretting it every single time I get up at 6 a.m. <laughs> to do so. And uh, shopping for a car. The really exciting adult things in life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tra- yeah. who does that? Training for a 10K and shopping for a car. I think maybe That's... I'm training for the 10K so I can just run to work because the car prices are so bad right now. <laughs> yeah, it's so And also gas is so bad, so it's might as well. I, all when we, around. When I was shopping for cars, it, one of the display windows also had some bikes, and I told my friends, I was like, that's more my my, my price range right now. <laughs> it doesn't take gas, so. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, 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 it's a horrible time to buy cars because everything is priced more. And the stuff you need to make the car go. Yes. David, the memes that have been coming up because of the, you know, my favorite one was, if no one drives for two weeks, we can flatten the curve. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) For the the, uh, gas prices. So, yeah, there's been some good ones. Yeah, I heard it all the other day. Somebody called into work saying um, they couldn't get to work because they were 
they didn't have gas and gas was too expensive. Oh my goodness. So that's Gosh. when you know it's bad. That's when, when you, you really can't get bad. to work because gas is too expensive. Yeah, that's that's, that's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Gosh. Oh, well. All right. Thanks, Sissa. Of course. See you soon. So this is the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on Guadalupe Radio Network, which is ready for you. So make sure you download the Guadalupe Radio Network app on your smartphone and use it to listen to all of our programming all day long, starting in the morning with the Catholic Drive Time Show with Joe McClain, Adrian Prosesca, Rudy Rodolfo, Rodolfo Carlos, starting at 6 a.m. Great way to start your day. And as you saw, Back to the Father, you can listen to that on Friday afternoons. This thing's starting around, is it around 2 o'clock, 2 or 3 o'clock, so which one is it? It is 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock, yeah. 2 o'clock Central Time. And, um, yeah, it's on. that's streaming on the YouTube, the Facebook, and the Twitter. And, again, this is David O'Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on Guadalupe Radio Network. Read it for yourself. In a few minutes here, around about six or seven minutes, Christopher Major, he'll be on talking about how he's how he's like he's going around the world with these chess boards and just having an impact on people's lives just teaching them how to reason and logic using the game of chess and so it's quite fascinating and i want to give you some encouragement and some help this lent and, and i think this is an important conversation to have like what, what does self-denial mean, right? And I think there's three gems I think I can share with you. And the three the way the three ways by which self-denial, denying yourself things that you've decided to give enough for Lynn, how, how, and how that can help make you a saint. And as I say, I think this is an important conversation to have right now because I was listening to Joe Biden speak the other day. And he was talking about how Americans need to make sacrifices so that the Ukrainian people could be free from Russia, right? And sacrifice is important, right? Self-denial is things the saints are made of, right? And there's always a so that. I'm going to deny myself, or I'm going to make this sacrifice so that, right? There's always an end to the reason why we do these things, why we practice this, these um, practice self-denial and restraint. So, but Joe Biden was saying that we need to pay gas prices are going to go up, right? Maybe up to $10. A gallon of milk is going to go up maybe $8. Because of all the wars that are going on in the world right now, where hundreds of people are dying daily from India to Africa, South America. I mean, there's countless wars that are going on. Actually, I mean, there is a count, right? So there's wars. Um, and there's skirmishes, but people, I mean, this is, it's not, Ukraine isn't the only conflict that's going on in the world, but it's the one, right? We just have decided to, the people in charge have decided to sacrifice our economy and our way of life for, right? So that, obviously, I mean, one of the most corrupt countries in the world, Ukraine, can go back to being corrupt, right? And the very same people who just couldn't get out of Afghanistan very clean, same people can't even run a clean election, the same people that are forcing people to inject themselves with strange things, people who can't even figure out how many genders there are, people who think killing babies in a womb is a sport, 
People who lie about everything all day long are the same people telling us that we need to sacrifice so that they that we can pay for a proxy war against Russia. So the ends here, right? The so that so that we must pay ten dollars ten dollars a gallon of gas so that so that a corrupt country can go back to being corrupt. Right? It's it's kind of odd, right? We must pay eight dollars a gallon of milk so that more people can die because we're arming people to kill other people. Right? We're escalating things, but let's sacrifice for that. Let's destroy our economy for that. And, and I hate when people ask others to make sacrifices that they themselves don't even make. And sacrifices that, that just seem so antithetical to the sacrifice that Christ Jesus was calling us to. Which is to take up our take up our cross and follow him so that we might not lead others into harm and sin so that we might be truly free so that we might be holy. That type of self-denial and sacrifice has three gems. I want to share with you now. So the first one, <clears throat> denying ourselves our natural passions. Denying ourselves our natural passions, it makes us less self-centered and less animalistic. I don't know what you're saying, oh, David, what do you mean animals? What do you mean we're animals? No, I, I think we are, right? I think we would just give in to just our natural inclinations. We, re we resemble animals more than we resemble God, right? I think about my dog, Paisley. It's a Doberman, right? So it, she just does the same things every single time. And it's not even cute anymore, right? It used to be. It annoys me now. I open up, so I open up her crate to take her out. She does a little spin before right when I open the crate. A few if you wait a few feet later, getting to the to the back patio door, she shakes, which annoys me. Not as much now that I have a robot that cleans up hair. And then once I let her out, she'll look for other dogs. If dogs are there, she'll bark. Can't control herself. I feel bad for it, right? It's just a lower state of existence, right? So it's porn, right? I mean, what time is it? 11 o'clock? Guys, that porn addiction, this is the issue. 11 o'clock, you're feeling that urge. Open up your phone. Go into incognito mode as if God can't see your browser history. It's a lower state of existence, but you can't you can't control yourself. You feel like you have to do it. It's animalistic. Porn addictions and dog habits, same thing. But it's good to tell ourselves no. Because we don't have the reason why it's good to tell ourselves no is, is because we don't have who can we be angry at when we tell ourselves no, right? When the other people tell ourselves, tell us, tell us no, right? We're, we're just this far away from having a temper tantrum. People who have kids understand as well. Tell a kid no, no, you can't have any ice cream. Anything may happen at that point, right? How dare you refuse me? Adults do this as well, right? Adults are no better than children as well. Tell a, tell a, tell a grown person, a fully grown person, they can't have something that they want. People have been killed for less. So. But when we tell ourselves no, when we deny ourselves, who are we going to be angry with? So it's easier to tell ourselves no, right? So self-denial 
is essential and important because it raises us up to a higher state than being an animal. And because of that, the second thing is that it more properly orders our delights, right? So because we've become less like animals and we've, um, therefore we made space for us to decrease so that Christ can increase and more properly orders our delights, right? We want to delight in things, but what, what shall we delight in? Our first desire as human beings is to be like God. Eve taught us that, but she went about it like an assassin. But now with God dwelling in us through baptism and the Holy Eucharist, we have something greater than what Eve wanted to steal. But we still have that problem of delight. We are tempted right, to, to delight in things that we should not. Right? We, we're tempted to delight in sin. And, and the longer we delight in these things that we ought not, not, ought, ought not to have or are not even to delight in, we begin to reason with it. We have conversations with sin. And the more we begin to reason with and begin to justify, the more likely we fall into it. So, but by practicing self-denial of things we should not delight in, we learn what we ought to delight in, which are the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. The partaking of the divine nature, delight in that, the essence of the liturgy at a mass. Therefore, this is the third gem. Right? So the first gem was by denying ourselves, by telling ourselves no, by um, practicing sacrifice and self-denial, we become less self-centered, right? And, and Venerable Fulton Sheen, Fulton J. Sheen, he talked about this. He talked about par excellence, the, the, the highest expression of self-centeredness the greatest example that we have is the thief to the left of Jesus Christ. Right? He wanted Jesus Christ to take himself off the cross. Right? Selfishness and this 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 um survival at all costs, right? This this desire just to for by any means necessary, look out for number one. Putin J. Singh pointed to the, the thief on the left of the cross for that. So but but again, that's the animal in us. <laughs> That 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 alligator bray, flight, fight. It's a, it's a lower state than sacrifice. So, but by denying ourselves our natural passions, it, it raises us up in Christ, and then it thereby then it teaches us to delight in the right things. And then what it does is it restores our reason and increases our access to the natural, to the cardinal virtues of fortitude, temperance, prudence, and justice, free from sin, hatred, and hatred, we, we grow more fully in virtue, bondage to sin, and bondage to attachments, it decreases our access to the virtues, because we, we don't know how to freely choose them, we, we want to be temperance, we, we want to be prudent, we want to be strong, we want to have fortitude, we want to be, we want to treat people justly, but because we cannot think clearly because we're attached to sin and hatred and to the world. We reach for this higher life, but we fall short every time. Right? So, but by denying ourselves, by telling ourselves, no, no, no. We learn how 
to make the right. We learn how to. We learn what to delight in. And because we know what to delight in, it restores our reason into the right direction of these things, right? And so to the virtues is where our heart should always be headed. And that's all I know about that for now. Right after the break, Christopher Major will be on the show to talk about why ethnic ministries and the work he is doing around the world to make the world a better place through the game of chess. This is David O'Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on Guadalupe Radio Network, which is radio for your soul. Are you a young adult looking for the right path through the challenges and changes in your life? Do you wish to do God's will but don't know how? Join Young Catholic Professionals April 29th through May 1st for their 2022 conference, Thy Will Be Done on Earth as It Is in Heaven. A weekend of inspirational speakers, enriching small group discussions, and the sacraments together with 600 plus witnesses for Christ from across the nation. Visit ycpconference.org to register. Registration closes April 7th. Keeping you informed and inspired. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. News and information, Catholic conversation, inspiration, fun, and prizes are involved. Log on to our website to get all the details, to find all the information, the podcast, the videos, and so much more. GRNonline.com. That's GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. This is Len Oswald, president of the Guadalupe Radio Network with this week's GRN Family Minute. One of the most moving teachings from the Second Vatican Council came from the document on the Church's mission in the modern world. One line in it states that none of us can truly find ourselves except by making a sincere gift of ourselves. The idea of becoming a gift for others was also the foundation of Pope John Paul II's teaching on the theology of the body. Jesus most perfectly models giving everything, his very life, as a gift, and we are all called to be gifts for the sake of others. Here at the GRN, we see this played out every day through the sacrifices that you, our faithful listeners, make so that the timeless teachings of our Catholic faith can continue to be broadcast across the network. If you are one of the many who support the GRN through your time, treasure, and talent, I want to thank you for being a true gift to us and to countless souls across our network whom you bless. Christopher Major is the founder, president of the Novato Chess Club and Hayward Youth Academy. These are 501c3 serving San Francisco Bay Area since 2005. He holds a clear level two educational specialist credential from the University of San Francisco from 2003. In 1983, he earned an undergraduate degree in business administration and economics from St. Mary's College in California. He's He's an active member of St. Mary's College University of San Francisco Alumni Associations. He taught special education at from uh, the kindergarten level K to 12 levels for 18 years. And after a 13 year career in insurance risk management, uh, he's currently teaches chess to all the one who wants to learn. Eight year olds to seniors in their eighties. Christopher Major is a future deacon, God willing. 
uh, he is in the final stages of the diaconate formation with an ordination date of May 28th in the Archdiocese of San Francisco and is serving as the coordinator of African-American ministries in the Ethnic Ministries Chess Club in the Archdiocese as well. He's a treasurer of the organization Kiwini USA and the Kiwini Chess Club of West Africa and a member of the Rotary Silicon Valley uh, D5170 and served on rotary missions in Mexico, Uganda, Haiti, Nigeria, Jamaica, and Kenya. And guess what? Now he's on the David L. Gray show. Welcome in, Mr. Major. Hey, David, thank you so much for having me. I am so joyful to be here, and I appreciated your opening on humility and self denial. And I think that really inspires me in this last three or four months to keep you in my heart. And I'm continuing to listen to you. It's awesome to have someone of your voice and your statue as a black man speaking conservative, traditional values. That's who I am. That's who I was raised. And I can't run away from that. So it's an honor to be here. And thank you. Well, well, thank you for, the, for those those kind words. I, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. And, and it's funny seeing you on the David O'Gray show because I watched, um, I say, I think I saw a couple of videos of you. And I like that one where they're introducing you in the Archdiocese and you're sort of walking along and you're telling us about <laughs> your story. So it's funny to see you here live. So thanks so much for coming back on again. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And I'll tell you what, we shot that video and that was extemporaneous. You know, we showed up at St. Raphael, yeah. where, I, where I just came from today. We teach chess on Wednesdays there. And they were the first school to really open up their hearts to our program. And once the pandemic hit and all the other issues hit, uh, we were able to run a virtual program there. So I love that video. Kudos to Melissa Vlach at the Communication and Archdiocese. She yeah. pulled out a little camera and I said, hey, what are we going to do here? Because we got <laughs> <laughs> and so I, you know, so that's about as honest as you get. There was no script. Oh. It was just, you're the coordinator. And I'm like, you're going to interview me? Yeah, we'll meet us here. And I said, okay. And then here comes a camera. Oh. And so I feel very blessed. Every time I see that, my heart is, is full because it was just, you know, here's who I am and that's what I'm about. And this is what I believe. And I believe in unity. I believe as part of the archdiocese ethnic ministries program and what we're trying to do and the purpose is to go out and spread the gospel to make disciples of all nations within yeah. the confines of the different unique ministries and ethnicities that are in san francisco yeah. and you know san francisco we have like over 20 different ministries so it gets a little difficult oh, okay. you know and that's a challenge for us how do we take these different ethnicities yeah. and help hone them into a group that's focusing on God's center. We go out into our community, we evangelize, but we are still one body in Christ. Okay. And that is my challenge. And that's where the chess club program, I'm praying we can get more people sitting down across race and culture to really talk about God and the things that you talked about, this theme of self-denial. Yeah. And I want to get dig deeper into that, but I want to go back just a little bit, um, and we're speaking with Mr. Christopher Major. He is um, in the Echno Formation in Archdiocese of San Francisco, and he's a coordinator of Ethnic Ministries. And if you if you have a particular question for him, feel free to drop it in one of the chat streams on the YouTube, Facebook, 
and we'll get it. Or if you want to call in at 877-757-9424, that's 877-757-9424. We'll definitely get to you. And I want to back up, Chris, just to talk about you. Tell, tell us more about your story for people who didn't really see the video. What, where do you come from? Cradle Catholic, convert? Tell us, tell us your background and your faith journey. You know, I, I think this, my story begins in 1972, January. Uh-huh. And we were traveling down Patrick Gomer Avenue. And St. Bede's Catholic Church was to my right. I'm in the passenger seat. I'm in sixth grade. Or fifth grade. And it was January, the time you take the test for Catholic school entrance. Okay. And my mother says, you're going to that school next year. You know, the power of the Holy Spirit. I knew nothing about Catholic or had much faith. And I looked to my right. And I, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, that, and that began 1972. I entered into St. Bede's. I became the Catholic school president of eighth grade, the school president by eighth grade. I was the first black president of Moreau Catholic in my senior year. Wow. I received a scholarship to St. Mary's College to play baseball, and I received my credential. I received my degree in business from St. Mary's and eventually received my credential 20 years later in special ed from USF. Yeah. That moment of anybody's life, you're going to that school. And when, they, when you enter into the diaconate program, they ask you, what brought you to this point? Uh -huh. And so you go all the way back and you say, wow. Now, did I realize, you know, at that moment in my life, I'm predominantly one of eight African-Americans in high school. So I was developed and grown in an environment that was totally outside my culture, hmm. totally outside my community, Irish, Italian, Portuguese Catholics in the early 70s of Hayward in the East Bay. That's where I was developed. So racism and race was not something that came into my viewpoint until I became older. It was brought onto my table. You yeah. know, generally that occurs for most of us when we start to date and you start to go through those issues of trying to find a date and you don't think yourself different. You're the quarterback of the football team. <laughs> you're, you know, you're, you're, you're the man, right? You're, you're not in any kind of self-denial at all in your life uh -huh. at that point. And I, yeah. I think that's where that road took me to um, in high school. But by the time I got older and started to develop into corporate business, then you start to see the separations okay, and start to see the differences, if you will. And I think I stayed very strong. Um, I've said I went through a very rough patch in my life where I could not Folk, where I didn't have God in my life. Okay. You know, you can't to be you can't be a man of self-denial if you're not praying, you're not worshiping God. How could I possibly know that Chris Major with all these talents and these gifts and all this, he's beating his head against the wall, not getting promoted, reacting to other people's stuff, not, you know, the world is coming down. All of a sudden you're this kid who's had nothing but success. And by the time you got out of college, you're drinking, you're smoking, you think you're Mr. America. Uh -huh. I'm blessed every day that God has placed me today in my life. And he showed me exactly why my mother and the Holy Spirit sent me to that school. I'm not supposed to be that guy crying about my race, crying about other people's oppression. I'm the guy trying to show you that you do have reason. Yeah. You are a person of rational thinking. 
animals don't have reason. They don't <laughs> exactly. have thought. And when you're acting, so when you're breaking that down for me, that is so fundamental to us. If you're not reasoning and you're not thinking, your inclination is to be an animal, yep. to be driven by your passions. Yep. And we, and I think that one of the most important things we see of that for most people is when athletes stop playing sports. That mm. was a very critical aspect of my life. These guys are making all this money and they're 32 years old and lost. And I'm hoping that what we're trying to do with youth ministry and chess is where the first reason why I started, David, is because I was tired of people categorizing black people as athletes. That's who you are. It was Arthur Ashe when I was 14, 13 years old who first taught me I can be more than just the guy running the touchdowns yeah. or hitting the home runs or scoring the baskets. And plus, it, I didn't like people looking at me that way. You didn't. You didn't like I mean, that, even though, even, like though even though you're good at sports and you you excelled at it. You didn't want to be identified that way. <clears throat> well, I didn't want to be identified that way because here was Arthur Ashe. I want to be defined by him. I want to be defined by an overall skill set that's not just athletic, but it's also developing my social, emotional, and psychological development as well. So when he started talking about that. Those words came back in when I was introduced to chess. Uh -huh. Wait a minute. I can show images in a now a very visual world. I can show images of Africans and African-Americans, which I don't necessarily like that term, because there's nothing African about me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When I go to Africa, they know exactly I'm from America. <laughs> as soon as I walk in the door, they don't even think about me being an African. Not at and that's all. The so by the time I started going to Africa in 2013, 2016, 2017, I started realizing there's a real strong intellect in our culture. Our people are people of reason. We let the media, we let the outside social context define our character. But when you get into West Africa, you get into Uganda, Nigeria, Kenya, you see kids thirsting, thirsting for knowledge, thirsting for reason. They're at that chessboard. They want to move those pieces. They want to be engaged in thinking and intellectual. They don't want to turn on their cell phones because they don't have them, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's, go, let's go. Let's go there for a minute. We're speaking with um, we're speaking with Christopher Major. He is here on the David O. Gray Show talking about. We're about to get into one of the things that he he's passionate about there in our state, our state of San Francisco and around the world, ethic ministry chess club if you have a particular question feel free to drop it in the chat streams or call in 877-757-9424 and christopher the the idea of ethnic ministries <clears throat> goes back a long time in the united states obviously a lot of religious orders used to be involved with this but why, why is it important for us to for ministries or religious orders or for missions to be focused on particular groups of people versus all people. What's the what's the benefit in that, or why why is that that needed? Like some people may ask, they may look they may look at Christopher, they may look yeah. at all the different dioceses, they may see this thing called African the um, Department or Mission of Af for African Americans and or Indians, what it used to be called. But why why not just all people? Why why is that? You know, I and for me, you know, this is broader. Like you say, it's been around much longer than I've understood. I'll give a positive answer that I think it creates a security blanket for those who are coming into the faith to gain resources. I know 
in the nonprofit world that I do, I work in, we're talking about how can you be a person of resource to others? And a lot of times, if you're outside the mainstream, you may need someone to walk you into the mainstream. But once you're in the mainstream, I think it's important that we develop that unity piece. Okay. And, and so my conversations with the archbishop have been, how am I going to bring these people together? Okay. Okay. And so it's, like, a, it's a starting place. So like the ethnic ministries are a starting place, not a finishing place. So the finishing place is the, the Catholic idea. And I think that's the that's the joy. I mean, I think a lot of the language that I hear from people in the diocese, because I'm new into this, you know, this is all part of my self-denial. This is not necessarily something I wanted to do. I don't want black people <laughs> telling me I ain't black enough. You know, you ain't black enough. You know, you know, you ain't from right. our community. You're from right, right all that. So right. and then you get the other side, he's gonna be for them. So you're trying to be a guy in the middle, balancing. And making sure that all that even even if the title of African American coordinator gets you a label, oh boy, yes, he, it's tough from the beginning, just from the title, right? Yeah, right from the start. Oh, is he going to be for us? Because he speaks well. He's not. He's from the East Bay. He's acculturated in the white community, right? So when I started going to Africa, that was part of that in 2013. I got to find out who I am especially after that election in 2012 and Obama got in there. Yeah. And I was disappointed. I was like, wow, he's kind of doing the same thing that all the others did, but he had the whole country in his hands. He had everybody galvanized, white, black, Latino. This was the smooth brother that everybody wanted. And he didn't say anything for eight years. So he got paid, he doing well. And so for me, I had to say to myself, I had, because we were all waiting, right? We were all waiting. So when I go to Africa, I don't have to wait. I see love. I see humility. I see self-sacrifice. I see children helping each other across. Well, they're all African, but yeah. there's also a unity. When you go into Africa, you see Muslims and Christians all praying, all supporting each other. And it's not as much of an angst as we have here with that separation. I think that's why it's so important with the unity piece in ethnic ministries that we have to have come together for one large ethnic ministry mass. And we're talking about that. But I can share in the Filipino or the Indonesian community's development of the faith. I can learn how the faith came to different cultures. What, you know, when you want to get into it, what prophet, what disciple came into a certain region in Turkey that developed a certain faith. I think that's fascinating information. Yeah. But I think in the end, we all have to be one body and one Christ. Yeah. And I think what we're trying to do, and our hope is, on an annual basis, we get this program developed, we can bring all the ethnic ministries together for a chess tournament. We're also going into the community of the Tenderloin. And you know in San Francisco, on March 18th, we will be there. I think it's important because it's not about my program as much as it's getting other people to generate that feel good in each one teach one chess. Yeah. So part of our rule is if I teach a child, his commitment is to teach three people in his family. And that's a shared relationship because we teach it piece by piece, the point value, and we teach it over six to eight weeks. So over that time, you're starting to build real relationships. You're starting to see maybe I'm not as smart as I thought I was. 
Uh-huh. And maybe I, somebody else is helping me because when you put a group of kids around a chessboard, nobody knows everything, but all together, they know it all. It's yeah. like breaking of the bread. When you break that bread, it multiplied when Christ did that. And now I'm seeing it worship and it's blowing up in West Africa. We have 20 kids, 20 programs in West Africa that want a chess program. Wow. But we're going to go into the tenderloin with Reardon High School, Archbishop Reardon, Unipro Sarah, Marin Catholic, all $30,000, $40,000 a year tuition per kid. Wow. Uh-huh. And we're going to take them into that tenderloin, and we're going to show them what self-sacrifice is and self-denial. Oh, wow. And we want them to touch these children's hearts. We want them to go into those communities, and each one teach one. We're going to have 20 chess boards out there. We're going to hope to have 40 kids, and we're going to partner it with the archdiocese. Yeah. With the tenderloin community district and with yeah. other organizations that are already existing but what they don't have david they don't have the fishing pole yeah. they don't have the chess boards and chess boards and pieces are fishing and talk about a little bit about that that era for people you know this you know guadalupe red network is you know we're talking to people all across the world right now who may what what is the tenderloin area well the tenderloin area has been ravaged by drugs you know it's part of that whole idea 20 years ago we're going to give a drug addict sitting on the corner urinating on himself a drug a needle that kind of thing and it's just gotten out of control you know the whole story of needle exchanges and all these other things Mm -hmm. and now it's just out of control so you have so many people that are just with the housing crisis you talked about the food insecurities it's getting worse and worse and worse So you have people actually on the street, defecating, sleeping, doing drugs, block by block by block. So what they're trying to do with London Breeds Initiative are the mayor of San Francisco. She's created a state of emergency in these blocks. So they're trying to clean up the streets, hosing them down. They just move to the next block. So the problem is so bad, they can't even curtail it or handle it. So our hope is... The way you do it is you have to take the community back. You've got to get in those parks with a program with youth and get the people back into the parks. And once you start to see that start to happen, that beauty, I think you start to give voices to local people who feel they're disenfranchised. And that's what you saw on that video. That was the promise that I made. Yeah. We're going to go into the communities. We're going to try to eat each one, teach one, one family at a time, one yeah. community at a time. And, but I think what's the beauty of it is if we can get the young people to yeah. change their attitude about their self-denial, uh, right? There's no problems in America. My father used to tell me, there ain't no such thing as a ghetto boy. You ain't never been to Chicago <laughs> or New York or Philadelphia. Rats as big as cats. Yeah. So my father was old school African-American, sending his son to predominantly Eurocentric schools and watching me change. Yeah. But I believe now in my life that that change was to bring me where I am today, to have that voice to say that all people from all communities anywhere can sit at the table and feel a little humility. Yeah, I can bring a fifth grader down with a mathematician or a guy working at Lockheed or or Google and even yeah. wipe him right off the board. Yeah. So yeah. let us start to look at our and I think one of the things about chess is that what happens, you connect with the children's fears. You're with them. Yeah. And so what, what does that what does that look like? I mean, what, what are some uh, some stories you can share about two people sitting down across from each other 
on a chessboard, the conversations, the relationships that this can develop and also the learning. Tell us a little bit about like, what is it, what does it look like? Well, what it looks like is you start to move pieces and kids start to feel confident about themselves. There's a certain fear when you sit at a chessboard, no matter who you are, where you are at. I'm going to expose mentally, intellectually. That's the reason. That's the beauty of what you're saying. I'm connecting that reason. I am going to get exposed <laughs> intellectually. I'm a grown man with a teaching credential. And this little fifth grader can't even reach the pedals of a car. And he's thinking three and four times beyond me. So what it looks like for a child is I'm moving pieces so they can see me cap, so they can see the capture pieces. So in the beginning, you're only trying to move pieces. So the kid, w- w- would you do this? What would you do if I did this? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to capture you with the pawn. Well, I'm going to capture you with this. Well, then I'll capture you with that. Wow. You're out thinking me. And you'll yeah. see a child. Smile. The most recent story that's beautiful, Petaluma. Mother walked up. We were having an outdoor event. We just finished six weeks in sixth grade, six weeks in fifth grade, and six weeks in fourth grade. We, we teach schools chess over six weeks, and they become chess playing school. Mother comes in crying. Oh, my boy, my boy. He's OCD just last week. He no longer plays video. He reads his chess books. He's gone through two in the last three weeks. Great. Wow. All right, man. Thank you. <laughs> I'm moving pieces. Yeah. She she comes back to me and says, no, no, no. I want you to really understand. So I thought, so now I had to become more present. Okay. Ma'am, are you telling me that your son did not play chess up until six weeks ago or four? Mr. Major, I couldn't even get him to do his homework. And now I can't get him to stop reading. Wow. And during his breaks, he's reading chess. So there you have the spirit. He's OCD, quiet, never played, taught him six weeks. Now we're four weeks after I taught him. We're into the fourth grade class. And now she's emotional because she sees her boy feeling more self-esteem. So now what we do, but then once I got the story, he had a hard time connecting with people. So we got him to the Mechanic Institute Library, one of the top two or three chess venues in the world. Mm -hmm. And we got him rated. He played in his first tournament and he met about 15 kids and he's going every week for a social emotional group. And I think what's important, and I have to end with this, if I could, please. Mm-hmm. Our program is unique, David. Based on the interview that was done in Czechoslovakia, I asked the lady, why are you following up on an article written by Christina Gray at the Archdiocese about what we do in Czechoslovakia? We met on Zoom. She said, Mr. Major, in our country, only the highest and the brightest are offered chess. I was totally amazed that you teach everybody chess. And that's part of our separation in our society. You get good, you go travel ball. You go over here, you separate out of the community. This whole travel ball, volleyball, softball, soccer. Destroyed our communities over 40 years. You take the elite away as immigration is coming in. And you tell them you're going to put a uniform on them and say you're better than all the kids in your, in your neighborhood. Yeah. What we want to do is bring everybody back into the neighborhood. 
Yeah. I never, I never thought about that. When I, when I was coming up playing you know, baseball and football, we didn't have that AAU and all that. We, we, we played. We had a season. We went to the next sport. But you're right. When my brothers were coming up, they, they, they were playing all year long on these travel teams. That, and you, you're saying that that's, that's harmful. And, and you're also saying that in other countries, there's not equal access to something as equalizing as a chessboard. And when I bring one in, our partner, Christina Namaganda, who was in the movie Queen of Katwe, she, we met her in 2017. And when I met her, I said, well, she was a champion, man. Had no chessboards. I gave her, <laughs> I gave her 20, 20 chessboards. She just won the Women's Championship last week for Uganda, and she may be going to the Olympiad again. But these people... You put a chessboard in it, and it's it's a unique type. You put it in a public school or a private school in America, mm-hmm. they ain't got no time for reason, no time to sit down critic, no time to challenge themselves emotionally or psychologically or spiritually. And I think that's where you're hitting on, man, that if you're not willing to sit down and pray or challenge yourself with something you're not willing to do, like this African-American coordinator thing, I didn't want to do this. <laughs> but, you know, but when they come to you and say the archbishop thinks that you would be good in this position. Yeah. And you're in your third year of formation. The country's blowing up. I don't want no part of this. Just let me get ordained. And let me do my work. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't need you. <laughs> I can do my thing. I'm in Africa. I'm all over the world. I can do anywhere I want. Go anywhere I want. Uh-huh. And establish a chess board with rotary. And stuff. But that's not what God wanted. Hmm. Well, here I am now, a couple months away. I've been through a lot of emotional stuff. People asking and challenging me. We need you to do this. We need you to do. This. And it's a volunteer position, right? No job. No money. <laughs> No expense account. So I'm very happy that we've established it in three schools. Uh, We have three primary schools. But what's most important is we're going to take those kids in those high end 30, 40 grand a year high schools. Yeah. Right. And we're going to get their butt into the community and do the work they should be doing. That's what they should be doing. You go down to your little private school and do what you want. But God went out there and he talked to the people that really needed it. The yeah. ones that, and let me tell you, I had a question, David, and you and I are going to have conversation. I love your stuff. I got your books. I got your book, David. The oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for the free plug. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> oh, thank you for these books. Let me tell you, I, I don't, people like us, David, black men who are Catholics in my, there's lots of, Chris Rocky talks about we all I, I started hearing these black men who grew up like me we don't have voices like you and now I found you and you speak it the way it should be spoken you speak it strong you speak it straight and you don't let people <laughs> talk about their games and go let their duality of their political affiliations cloud what God is saying you know you we got to start attacking people we see what's going around the world and yeah. that's kind of where I am in my evangelization. When you start playing games with evil and you start cozying up to sin, they all been cozying up to sin for 50 years. America's that, that, yeah, cozying that's, up. That ain't nothing new and it hasn't worked. <laughs> God bless you, man. Yeah. But I, what I really like about your program, though, and I hope it gets like exported to other dioceses that, um, and I think everyone can use it, but are, are particular, some, some particular dioceses come to mind that can definitely, what, what, so what I really like about it is that we, we've been doing the soup kitchen thing for a long time. We've been doing the, the food <laughs> yeah. bank thing for a long time. Yeah. Fine, right? But what I like about chores and you're taking kids who, you know, of different backgrounds who've 
who have may may not have encountered certain things, and you're taking them to what is I think is a, a true encounter. I think I don't think feeding the hungry fine, but standing there behind some sort of serving line, dishing out some food, it doesn't really develop encounter, right? And it's, it's, it's it looks wow. a little bit, it looks a lot different than what Jesus was doing, right? But I think chess, this, this, I think chess ministries and really going into these areas and sitting down across from someone, having conversation and looking each other in the eye, right? Man, I think that's, I think that's phenomenal, man. I really do. And challenging them. I'm sitting across from you, talking to you, but I'm saying, are you going to capture this piece? Yeah. We start with the pawn game. Yeah. You know, and you know, the critical thing that's interesting the last year or two, because I go into places, I never ask the question because I'm in there to teach the game. Not a great chess player by any stretch. They don't know what the pieces are worth. That's my new ministry in chess. If you don't know the value of the pawn or the rook or the knight or the bishop or the queen, how are you playing chess? And I get parents in front of me. Oh, he's lying in school. He taught, no, 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 I'm out at a festival somewhere. That's why I love to do my thing. I'm out at a festival yeah. with 20 boards out. I get 30 people around talking chess and talking, da, da, da. And I'll say, how much is the queen worth? <laughs> Seven? Twelve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five? Yeah. And, I, and it's the most amazing, because I'm out there more now, because, you know, I, I'm out there more trying to spread the game. Yeah. But when I get out there and they don't know the numbers, I say, man, how's your son, how's your child playing chess and making good decisions if he doesn't know the value of that decision? Yeah, because you can get to the end of a game and there's no mate, but the clock is running out and it's just who has who, who's accumulated the most value. Right. And that that's. um. But that's that's also a life lesson. I mean, you could have a you could preach that whole thing. Oh, if you yeah. don't know if you don't know your value, if you don't right. know that everything has, has has value, that value comes from God, dignity from God. Like who gave that pawn its value? Someone had to give us his value, right? It's worth something. Yo, Chris, you want to preach that whole thing as soon as you do your whole homily. That, that... <laughs> hey, and let me tell you something. The game is 1,500 years old, and that's the one thing, David, I'll tell you what connected us psychologically to me with this game was how the question as a child, from the time I was a little boy, because I'm dealing with all these white people, blondes, how do I get people? Because they don't see how each of them reacts to us individually. I deal with one to 100, but the 100th person doesn't see what the one person does. So mm -hmm. it starts to accumulate in your psyche emotionally, and you just get tired of dealing with it even though they think they're just being funny. No, I know you're being oppressive. And that was the thing that really kind of kind of got me thinking a little bit. How do I get people to understand or what person is more judged from the first initial look as black people? And in our era in the 70s, it was blondes. I said, blondes, you see a blonde? Oh, yeah, freak, you know, we're blonde, blue eye, not very bright. All the negative things when I was a kid about the blonde. And that was me. And I started thinking more about that. I said, how do I get people to see us as a culture and as a people different than athletics and physical strength? Mm -hmm. I never see a black person at a chessboard. And now you're seeing Nigeria, nine years old in New York, black people. We're absolutely intellectual 
people of reason and faith and emotionally connected, but we let the Americanized capitalistic structure define our success or our avenues for success in the way I see it. We get it deep here, but I just believe that because that I want to be, if my idea, I wanted to be the black guy in the Coors commercial, right? (laughs) Right, only had one, right? Only had one. Who's that, Billy D? No, the Coors Coors beer. Remember the Coors beers commercials they used to have, and they'd have one black person. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Cole Forty Five. That was Billy D. Yeah. Ah. (laughs) Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So when, when when once I started extract myself from the realities of what God's mission is for my life and also the wreckage of living lives like that. I mean, I have yeah. friends right now that are struggling yeah. physically because of, so I'm just really blessed at this point. When my mother said, you're going to go to that school, I yeah. had no idea for me. It was just, okay, I can compete with anybody anywhere on any playing field. Yeah. But that's not what, that's not why I was going there. Now Amen. my goal right now and what my, my direction with the diocese is, is to try to get more people sitting across the table in communication and know that our ethnic ministries are more alike than we are separate. And Chris, we only we have about alike. 10 seconds left. Um, how okay. can people, how can people reach you? Find out more about you. Oh, they can give me uh, they can send me an email at C major edu at gmail.com. That's C M A J O R C M A J O R E D U at gmail.com. Amen. And we got to have you back on pretty soon, Chris. Appreciate We had left, left a lot on the table. Thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Brother, thank you so much. And I've got your books. And I thank you for your intellect and your reason and providing this stuff to us. Because guys like me need it. I'm coming in here late, 60 years old. (laughs) So I'm on a fast forward to learn more and more about reason, intellect, and the will. Thanks, Chris. God bless you, brother. Thank Thank you you for tuning in. I'll be back same time next week. Same place. I look forward to conversing with you again. In between time, you can visit me at David L. Great at Info. But until then, until next time, remember, Jesus loves you and is there for you. Live your life like salvation matters. And may the abundance of our Lord's blessings and graces and favors fall upon you and yours.